0: I'm out. Wait, wait, you're leaving? I'm out of the tournament. Oh, oh. <laughs> cool kids, losers club. Finally, I have arrived. Um, <laughs> honestly, there's no other way I could want to go out. You know, you lose to dominance and you lose to the crows. You know, Ooh. just classic <laughs> ways everyone loses root, right? Classic palm to the forehead kind of loss. Yeah. I don't know what's up with me. Well, this wasn't a counting
1: situation with this crow's situation. No, it wasn't.
0: No, it wasn't. It was quite the end game. I don't know if I've ever been in that much of a tangle of an end game ever. It was pretty wild.
1: This cold open could just be talking about your game.
0: Yeah. You want to go into it? I don't know. Why not? Okay. All right. So first of all, big shouts to Invisible Dan, Kelton Black, and Carnal. Great game played by all. Had a lot of fun. Good TV. Good TV. That's what it was. If we could have shaved off like 30 minutes, you know, like yeah, the edit as of that game would be pretty, pretty <laughs> good TV. So let's start it with the draft here. In the draft was the Vagabond, the Crows, the Badgers, and the Woodland Alliance with the Otters being locked until the Badgers were chosen. I was going, I was second in turn order. So third pick in the draft before mm-hmm. me, Carnal chose the Vagabond, uh kelton chose the crows leaving me with the choice of the badgers or the woodland alliance on the lake map
1: oof both kind of tough right because mobility a little yes. bit yes
0: yeah and and i was like i think the choice is badgers my hand wasn't bad for them but i was like oh boy here i go on stream playing the most complicated faction a faction that i've played you know like 10 or 15 times but oh if you really that many yeah, but if you compare that to the birds, like, yeah. you know, I've played the birds like 50 times. I've played, yeah. you know, like, so just my comfort level was not good. And I know uh, that I probably could have been more efficient, but who cares? Um, there was It's
1: okay, but there's there was a point at where the commentating team did say out loud, uh, so I don't know how much experience Sam has with the badgers.
0: <laughs> I knew that that would be the case when I was choosing them, you know. I'm like I'm not going to pilot them expertly. I, right. I I'll make a decent showing and in the end everyone had a decent shot to win this game. Yeah, it was close. It was like oh uh, everyone's engines got online then everyone destroyed each other's engines and then it was who is going to limp over the finish line. Mhm. Uh, And I had a good shot at it. Um, Basically, here's what happened. The Crows couldn't quite do it on their turn. So they came three points shy. The Vagabond betrayed what they were going to do to shoot their shot to win. They were going to police. Yeah, yeah. They were like saying they were going to, you know, the Crows were going to do one half of the policing. The Vagabond was going to do the other half of the policing to keep the game going another round. But the Vagabond was like, "Mm, actually, I'm seeing my shot here. And would have won had they not rolled zero zero, <laughs> Wow, so wow. they got to twenty nine points. There's been a lot of, like things hinging on the die rolls where zero zero has
1: come up, yeah, six point two percent of the time, supposedly. But this tournament a little bit more,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's due to not happen as much in the future. um right. ok. so <laughs> <Statistically>. <laughs> then uh, so the vagabond can't do it. The otters. Have to choose like the otters were behind. They needed to do the policing. They had to hit me in one spot, hit me in a different spot to completely snare lock me on my turn. But then they had to prevent the corvids from flipping a plot. The corvids were three points away. Their their flip is three points. Okay, mm-hmm. they didn't have enough actions to battle the plot, but they did. They were able to get there and had three cards matching the clearing. <laughs> so they guess bomb nope they guess raid nope they guess extortion nope and so with a 25 percent chance of getting it wrong uh we weren't able to do it it gets to my turn i'm completely snare locked i can't do anything about the crows and then it gets to their turn and they flip and they win <laughs> unbelievable that's incredible it was was really good tv like having it be like a zero zero yeah cause someone to not win and then the whole time i was like oh they all don't even know what i can do as the badgers like i'm going to be able to i only needed four points and i was definitely going to get there um but then they took out everything except for me snare locked in a clearing yeah you were in it you were you got to 26 or something by the end yeah 26 yeah that's awesome I do like the Badgers. I think that's going to be my next like obsession. I really wanted to play them after watching you play them, honestly, because I was like,
1: ah, I, I do. I want to help solve this puzzle because I don't quite. I get it, but I don't practice it ever, so I don't know how
0: to do it. I know the <laughs> theories, but I don't know when to pivot, when to use my judgment. Mm-hmm. I don't have good experience with it. But anyway, same. that was that was my game, and that is why. I'm a cool kid in the Losers Club. Welcome to the club. And big congrats to Kelton Black. Uh, Great job winning as the Crows. uh, And heartbreaking for uh, Carnal. But a great game played by all. Awesome. So that's the intro banter. But we also have some (laughs) Root News. Uh, All I got on Root News today is something I don't think I've mentioned before, but should have mentioned a long time ago. And that's Cole's Root Channel. Not Cole Whirly, but Cole. Cole's Root Channel is a fantastic YouTube channel Uh, He has a lot of digital guides as well as in-person plays. I saw they did an in-person live stream of them playing with all of the landmarks. (laughs) I saw that. And I was like, that's fun. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So uh, if if you got the time and you're, if you need more Root content for whatever reason, there's, you know, 66 episodes of this podcast. Garrick's streaming like 70 games a day, Uh, but do check out Cole's Root channel. It is Pretty solid.
1: Oh, awesome. It's literally called Cole's Root Channel. That's what it's called. I know. I was about to search it. And I was like, what do I search for? It's literally what it's called.
0: <laughs> oh, also, I just see this that uh, Nevekaneza on his YouTube channel just posted a Root Digital Grudge match. So there's a new video there. But that's all I got for Root News. All right. I got a little bit of Root News,
1: actually. Uh, oh, I don't think it's been mentioned on this podcast, but RootCon is sold out.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, Uh, it is sold out. There is a wait list. The wait list is long. Is it really? Um, It's over 20 people. The waitlist is long, but you are welcome to
1: join it. Uh,
0: I'll put a link in the description. That's all we have for the RootCon update, but we've got a tournament recap. Recap, Recap.
2: That's right. It is round two of the winter tournament. Uh, For anyone who's been following the Winter tournament, round two is divided into kind of two brackets. We have the winner's bracket for those players who won their first round game. Uh, They're all seated together and they uh, fight it out. Very, you know sort of gentlemanly like bracket where the stakes are a little bit lower, a little bit because everyone has an extra life to play with. Okay. And then there's the losers bracket, which is just a scrap fest of everyone trying to make it through to the next round. All right. Can confirm. (laughs) But there have been a, just like an avalanche of games uh, in the last 10 to 12 days. So, To be honest, we can't cover all of them in just one episode. We're going to split it into two. Not into the brackets necessarily, but just the first kind of chronological portion of round two. Because it is a lot. So, lots and lots of great games have have been happening. You can catch all the action over on Garrick Samples Games' Twitch channel. They are also being uploaded to YouTube, but there is a bit of a lag time uh, for that transition. So, if you want to see all of round one games, you can definitely find those over on YouTube. Uh, but for the most up-to-date stuff, check out that Twitch channel. You can also catch the live action uh, as well. All right. So let's take a look at round two. Starting with game one on the lake map, this is the winner's bracket first game. Eerie, Lizards, Corvids, and Badgers. Nice balance game. Two insurgents, two red factions. Shouts to Magic Zamboni for winning with the Lizards. All nice. Right, really exciting to get a Lizards win. Nice bit of foreshadowing and lily very excited about this victory all right round two losers bracket game one was on the winter map and this game featured the otters the warlord uh, piloted by neek al uh, shouts huge fan okay to confirm we are huge fans of neek al just a great <laughs> great player all right okay the tinker piloted by luke shouts superstar game and the Erie dynasties. Congrats to Lazarus, who went on to win with the Erie on the winter map. What a, a, a kind of a grindy game, uh, but it, it really took some finesse to pull out the win there. So big congrats. Losers bracket uh, game number two was on the mountain map. We had the Warlord piloted by Punk Star Man. Shouts the thief. The Badgers and the Moles. Uh, Congrats to Otis, who won with the Thief. You know, it's actually a little bit funny. The Vagabond, I feel like, has not gotten a a lot of love in the Winter Tournament so far because of despot infamy and just a general atmosphere of hostility towards them. Uh, (laughs) But... Maybe we've come full circle. I'm a little bit excited to see a Vagabond win.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My scars are still healing. (laughs) Every time it's like, oh yeah, despot infamy, I'm like, I still don't trust that raccoon. You
2: You just get a pot of tea and you think that you
0: control the woodland, you know?
1: (laughs) It's nice when it's one of the unusual Vagabonds.
0: Yeah, Thief is not one of the unusual.
1: Yeah, I know, but it's nice when that happens. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I like that.
2: Yeah, a bit of foreshadowing there, too, is I did have the chance to pick the only Vagabond that has not been chosen in the Winter Tournament so far. I did have that opportunity. Did I choose it? We'll find out.
3: Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Game three in the Lizard's Bracket was on the winter map, and we had the Badgers, the Adventurer Vagabond, the Eerie, and the Moles. That's three red factions and an Insurgent. And, oh, boy, this was a... Uh, bloody, bloody game, and it was terrific. <laughs> congrats to Love Shard for the duchy victory. Love, Love Shard, Shard is an uh, incredibly uh, talented root player. Very Big good. congrats. This is bracket round four. On the autumn map we had the cats, the badgers, played by Squidmark, otters, and warlord. This one, I mean, j- just from the faction mix alone, it's basically three red factions and a pink faction, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you know this one was going to be a grind. This was an Almost five hour game. I think it was four oh, hours no. and fifty minutes, uh, and it ended with a cat's victory. So congrats to Decoy on awesome, just an incredible like cat's slugfest victory. Love that.
0: Yeah, if it's gonna go five hours, at least the cats won. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that kind of saves it a little bit. I just am always rooting for the cats.
2: Yeah. I'll say it. And shouts to Squid. Shouts to Squid. Absolutely. This is bracket round five. On the winter map, we had the cats piloted by Batmaster, uh, who Shouts. also designed the overlay used by Garrick Samples Games on the Twitch stream. Oh, nice Very job, cool.
1: Batmaster. That's a sweet overlay. Mm-hmm. We had
2: the Corvids, the Badgers, and the Moles. And... This time, the shouts have to go to Glandor Hooverstein for
0: their Badgers victory. Nice. I love the name, and I've I've <laughs> almost tried to pronounce it before. Uh, and I love a Badgers win. Great job. If you're keeping track at home, five out of the six games that we just talked about
2: have included the Badgers. Now, they were a relative rarity in the first round. I think they were chosen like uh, just a handful of times. Now, they've appeared in... <laughs> almost every game That's crazy. up to this point in the, t- the second round. Wow. So uh, the pendulum has really swung to the opposite direction. People are uh, starting to get their reps in with the badgers it would seem. What what do you attribute that to? Like what I mean, they didn't show up in the flop a little bit in the first round, but there were still lots of opportunities to choose them that didn't go through.
0: I think it's nerves. The same reason I didn't want to pick badgers, like, who, your your likelihood of making a mistake is high. You can recover from mistakes. You, you don't have to play Badgers perfectly to win, but it is, they're so mechanical that it's really scary to play something that could get disrupted. I, I would liken it to like birds a couple years ago. Mm. Now everyone has their all their birds reps in and they feel pretty good. Yeah. But it would be scary to play the birds before when you've only played a few few times. That's yeah, a that good makes, call, yeah.
2: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, for this next stretch of games, I want you all to pay attention to uh, the faction that gets picked in every single one of these next games, all right? Okay. Okay. Right. okay. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> all right, so rounds, uh, round two. Losers Bracket Game 6 on the Lake map. We have the Corvids played by the one, the only, nevakaneza <laughs> Nice. Shout now. <some> <laughs> I just It also feels like because he was in seat one, he had the choice between Corvids and one other faction, and it was like was there a world
3: <laughs> where <laughs> nev
2: didn't pick the corvids and seat one like yeah it's never going to not happen okay uh the eerie dynasties the tinker and the moles congrats to ego for their moles victory nice all right winner's bracket game two we're back it's the autumn map the harrier played by tree fence uh who we all remember <laughs> from round one <laughs> Uh the moles, the otters, and the Erie, and a big congrats to Elvaras who won with the otters. And I think this is the first river folk victory of the tournament, right? I
0: think so. Maybe there was one before, but still pretty rare. But
2: they along with the Badgers had a relatively low uh selection or draft rate in the first round, and we've seen them in a, a number of games uh up to this point in round two, which is really cool. Uh, so big shouts. And the autumn map, as we all know, has five clearings that interact with the river. So the Otters tend to do a little bit better on that map. So good, a good pick from them. All right. Winner's Bracket Game 3 on the winter map. We had the Eerie, played by Over the Moro, The Cats, played by Francis. The Warlord, piloted by Bodison. And the Moles, by Root Banuvas. <laughs> Man, that's a stacked game. This was a, a starry galaxy of a... A root fight I love it I mean The the level of play Was incredibly high But Edging out the victory We had over the Mora With a very Very uh, Precise Eerie win Nice job Nice This game is actually Probably worth going back And, and uh, watching again Not that the others aren't But I think there was Just a lot of really creative And uh, strong Strategic decision making Going on in this game So uh, Definitely go back And watch that if you want to Again you can find all this Over on Garrick Samples Games Twitch channel Losers bracket game seven was on the winter map. We had the adventurer, the eerie, the moles, and the badgers. Big congrats to Gregula for the moles win. Gregula, what a beast! Yeah, for sure. Yeah, perennial uh, root victor and titan in the root digital league, right? Yeah, it actually is is kind of interesting. This does coincide with the release of the underworld expansion on root digital. So perhaps Gregula has been getting those reps in with the underground duchy. All right. Losers Bracket Game 8 was on the Autumn Map. A lot of Autumn Map, a lot of uh, Winter Map going on in Round 2 so far. I just wanted to call some attention to that. We had the Vagrant, the Lizards, the Badgers, and the Woodland Alliance. Played by PJ Darker. What's up, oh, PJ? All right. Uh, big congrats to Linen Master who won with the Badgers. Wow, so, yeah. Stacked game. So in a Blitz Faction, that was about 10 games. We had Moles. Yeah. In... So many. I think we had moles in 7 out of 10 games. 70% of these games, the the duchy was a a picked faction.
1: Crazy. Uh,
2: I feel like that just goes to show that that has to be easily one of the most popular tournament picks. Uh, And this is sort of carrying over a theme from last year's winter tournament as well, where the moles were kind of an unstoppable force.
1: I feel like I overheard Lily ask Garrick uh, what his favorite factions are. And or the ones he likes to play, and I'm pretty sure that she answered for him saying, like, you like moles. And he's like, well, yeah. she's like, why do you like them? She's like, because I like winning. Which is a very (laughs) Garrick thing to say, but also (laughs) I think the reason people like moles, I guess. I initially really liked moles because I liked the the game of uh, getting new actions and stuff like that. But once they became kind of solved in a way, I don't like that that much. I also don't like having a powerful faction. I kind of like to be underdog. But Mm -hmm. like... That can't be the reason to like them. It's just because they're good at winning. Because I mean, that you're right. They're they're in the tournament a lot because they're reliable in that way, and they can play fairly defensively, fairly easy.
0: You can mitigate your own risk. Yeah. Right. Like with when you choose the molds, you're like, I can have a shot. Yeah. Even if they come after me, I you can't. You can get in my way. It feels like the Badgers a little bit. You can get in my way, but you're not going to be able until you get snare locked.
1: Well, the thing uh, is, is the Badgers have opportunities to police. I mean, the Moles do too, but the Moles don't seem to take it as much because of these games that you mentioned, the Moles won two of them, right? Despite them being in so many of them. We'll have to go to Lily for all the stats once the numbers are crunched, but like... It's not necessarily giving them a victory.
0: <laughs> no, no. I mean, nothing in Rude is a. Like, I know is a gimmick. but I'm not saying
1: we're seeing their picks go up, but not their wins, their rates, right? Hmm. Because they have to stay out of it to kind of stay in it in their own way, right? Because policing is expensive for them because people take those warriors
2: are very precious to the moles. Yeah. I will say, I think that one of the reasons why the moles are very popular is because their setup can happen basically unopposed kind of no matter what's going on at the table, the moles are going to get a chance to set up their engine and have usually a kind of decent game. And with ad set, they get to draft their hand, which means that that setup is very consistent. And so if you have a good start to your game of Root, usually that means you can make it into the later phases of the game in a decent type of position, which does mean that the moles are safe and kind of consistent and reliable, which is more than you can say for a... A handful of the other factions you know what (laughs) I mean Yeah I feel like if you You're going out there choosing the corvids or like Even the otters for example it's just like you have No idea what that table Is going to be like if they're going to be friendly To you or whatever
0: yeah I'd be really interested to find out How many games the moles come in last Because I bet it's very few As opposed Uh, to the Woodland Alliance, where it's like they might win or they might be in dead last. You know what I mean? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, There's factions. I feel like otters are similar. Like otters can easily come in last or do very well. Whereas like moles, I I bet they don't come in last last very often.
2: Uh, Of interest, uh, the other faction that has been chosen with the same uh, frequency as the Underground Duchy, just in terms of like whenever they've popped up in the draft, players have gravitated towards this faction any guesses
0: the eerie dynasties
2: sam deros is correct it is the eerie dynasties they have been Ooh. chosen with uh in every flop that they've turned up in players have drafted the eerie dynasties so an extremely popular faction along with the underground duchy
0: in this flop that we just covered or in yeah, the whole in, tournament
2: in this uh spread of games for oh, round okay. two.
1: Yeah, got it. Got it. It's got to be just that people want the strength on the board because that's what is true for Badgers and for Moles and for eerie, right? Yeah, I do think that this is
2: showing us in practice a little bit that players in a tournament setting are prioritizing the ability to act on the board, not react. They want the, the initiative. They want the ability to influence and check other factions. I guess that's not surprising in the context of a war game but it is a little bit interesting to me that like you know all these factions are viable in one way or another um but the kind of tournament mindset is leaning really heavily towards like activity and sort of martial capability
0: yeah, w- we said this earlier, but it, there's like a trend where it's like policing is cool now. <laughs> Remember when it, the whole game of Root was like, I'm going to do my thing and just try to convince other players to deal with my problems, you yeah. know? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just feel like that kind of phase of the game is not as as in, in vogue. Uh, now people want to be the ones policing. They want those cardboard points. And really, they just want to be able to dictate their own game, I think.
2: Yeah yeah they want the initiative they want the you know the ability to set the tempo of the game and to make progress and get those
0: points well jake you commentated the game oh boy did i this is round two in the winner's bracket game six jake walk us through
1: it well i will agree with what kyle initially said about the uh I guess maybe more laid back and friendly nature of the winner's bracket games, uh, Mm -hmm. because there's a confidence coming in from all these players, but there's also game knowledge. And when they're all friendly on top of that, it just becomes really fun, but there's a whole lot of silly table talk. Um, So the players were Insolent Noisemaker, who was in the first seat as Eerie Dynasty. Uh, Cosmic Cant was the Vagabond the Ronin, Mm-hmm. Argent Burns Red was the moles, and Nitro Rev, friend of the pod, chose the Lord of the Hundreds. Nice. So the unpicked chosen faction was the Woodland Alliance. And this was again on the lake map. And so yeah. during the flop, Garrick and I were mentioning about how, like, well, the Ronin's probably not getting picked, right? And then Cosmic Cant took it. And we were kind of surprised with that choice. And throughout the game, <laughs> Cosmic Cant just kept moving forward and everybody just kind of uh were trying to keep up with him in a way and the table talk was kind of about that they all three of these other factions set up very far apart from each other um nitro rev wisely took the east side like in clearing five and uh fortified in six as well and kind of did slow oppression didn't do a ton of oppression because nitro rev was table talking this entire game from a point (laughs) of um objective truth so, like, Nitroev is a teacher in that when he will explain something to you about why this move you're doing isn't going to necessarily be great and you should do this one instead, yeah. he's actually generally right. And that's what's very yep. frustrating to play against him because you can't argue with him beyond just saying, uh-uh. You know, like, there's no, <laughs> no counter argument to what he's saying mm-hmm. most of the time. Now, he is also obviously pointing out the things that are beneficial to him as well and getting his way. And there's, you can kind of detect it sometimes, but he's very good at making – an argument that is uh, just f- fair. <laughs> uh, yeah. The other three, uh, I think realize this as well. Like they're not, they weren't like necessarily uh, easily duped by it, but he convinced them to do so many crazy things in this game, especially in the last 20 minutes, that I kind of demand all of you watch this if you want to get good <laughs> at table talk. He, the, the, he was in a position in the end to, to really win the game. He actually was in the lead he was ahead of the Vagabond for the first time anyone had been ahead. I think that he was like at 22, and uh, Cosmic Cantus the Ronin was at 21. And he convinced them to not police him to actually get a bird killed in his own territory to give him oppression, to bring the raft over to him so he should go do it. Then on his turn, he just didn't quite have the points to be able to do it, unfortunately. I thought he was hiding one of the last uh, items in the game, the sword, which hadn't been crafted. And I thought that would have gotten him over the hill because he cast... uh, because he crafted Master Engravers as the Lord of the Hundreds, Ooh. <laughs> which was actually a really fun choice. He only really had two items the whole game. He had one in Prowess and one in uh, Command, and he made a he made it work really well. Um, but as much as I've talked about Nitro Web, Cosmic Cant with the ronin came out on top of all these factions the moles the birds and the lord of the hundreds and the ronin slipped through uh, <laughs> that's awesome it was well, a it crazy sound game like he slipped through it sounds like he was leading the way he was they were hitting him they they were hitting him pretty consistently but the lake map, for as, like, difficult as it is for the Ronin to maneuver, it's kind of difficult for high entanglement factions to, to maneuver as well. And the mole <laughs> wasn't in a position—Argent um, Ar- Burned Red was unfortunately not in a position to just pop up easily. Um, they got they got hammered pretty often as, like, the default bad guy in the game, while Nitro mm-hmm. Rev convinced the players to do that. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't, there's so much more to talk about this and I'm not going to go on cause I don't want to take too much time, but I really highly recommend round two winners bracket game six as a very good watch to see some, uh, high level interaction between players, not only, uh, on the board, but, uh, also in the dialogue.
0: That's great. Well, if you wanted to see some, uh, high level players make some wild choices, you wanted to check <laughs> it out round two winners <laughs> bracket game five, where our very own Waterman. Attempted a dominance play as the lizards. <laughs> Kyle, and it seems like you set up from it from the get-go. <laughs> it seems like you made the choice when you saw your hand of cards and saw the flop <laughs> that you were going to do mouse dominance with the lizards. Is that true?
2: Okay, so the little backstory here. Um uh, before the game, Jake texted me <laughs> and he said that uh he would really appreciate it if I was able to complete the
0: uh the dominance victory trilogy um <laughs> he always he always texts about dominance before any one of our tournament games by the way this is not like a a secret plan jake had well there
1: hasn't been a lot there's been two but like the one happened to, to sam and then actually one of the games we haven't mentioned was a fox domination win i think the day before your game uh kyle
2: yeah yeah and so Obviously we've seen a rabbit dominance victory, uh, first because it's the best of, of the three, but, there uh, there was still one that was conspicuously left out and well, I was in the first seat, so I was left with either the scoundrel, the, uh, uh only unpicked vagabond in the tournament so far, yeah. uh, and the lizards on winter map. And I mean, it was a bit of a weird mix because it was the keepers and iron, the Woodland Alliance, the Lord of the Hundreds, and then either the Vagabond or the Lizards. And to, mm-hmm. to be honest, I was like, the Lizards, no no question about it, because somebody has to slow down these red factions, and the Woodland Alliance is not going to do that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so, pretty pretty easy choice to go with Lizards. And then, just because of the, the clearing distribution, suit distribution, there's three um, mouse clearings all right next to each other one of them was like (laughs) locked away in the north and the other one was in the kind of northern corner there which was a starting clearing and uh, i (laughs) i had i I think i drew mouse dominance at the end of my first turn and i was like this is happening yeah that's the lizard god telling you something
1: yeah the dragon god telling you something
0: there was one turn where you let it go Okay,
2: yeah, this this is the real thing. So I want to say two things about the early game. One is that I decided from the get-go that I wanted to just recruit on top of the Warlord. Yeah. To try and, like, build up some Acolytes really early and to try and discourage the uh, grandiose opening Mm. where you do the advance before the rest of the action so you can, like, build a stronghold. And Mm. I really wanted to keep the Warlord away from the center as much Mm. as I could or, like, slow down that development. So just recruiting on top of the... Warlord Starting Clearing was my kind of tactic to do that. Mm. There was a turn where I could have built a couple of gardens and scored and activated dominance like right away. But the outcast wasn't uh. wasn't in my favor, so mm. I was not able to um like craft the points you needed to get to ten it wasn 't about crafting it was more i I needed to sanctify a building, oh, got it, and that would give me like the one point I needed to get to ten and th- I had this whole strategy l- literally written down in my notes of like how to do it a turn early, and I think if I had done it a turn early, it probably would have been closer to working. It came close it came very close actually, but we just got we just gotta say the uh, I went for mouse dominance, and it was <laughs> a little speculative. But I think it could have worked if the dice had gone a little bit more in my favor.
1: It is the stage of the game where the lizards, like, have the chance to do it, I feel, because they, they have that many warriors a lot of that time, and, like, people are also getting their engines online and playing kind of, like, a little less engaged around that. What was it, turn four? Turn three. I think so. Yeah, it's turn four. I feel like lizards have, have at least established where they want to be, and your your clearings were so favorable that they just weren't. Besides, the Lord of the Hunters had kind of moved on, right, by then. Yeah,
0: yeah they weren't and, around. Yeah. Right, yeah. You had set up that wall with a garden and three lizards there, and it was yeah. like...
2: I decided to kind of just block everyone from approaching yeah. the mouse clearings. There, there was only, like, one
1: approach, really. Well, it's winter, map. There's, there's still a little mobility. Like, this is a great... Mm-hmm. That was also a really beneficial position for you.
2: And so everyone had to go through the same kind of choke to get to just the one clearing that they could access and try and take it out. And the, the and table you had cooked. the ambush ready for it. I had the ambush. I'd been showing it off for like two rounds. The the table had come up with this plan where the badgers crafted tea, I think. And uh, mm-hmm. the warlord was going to loot the badgers for that tea to get an extra battle yeah. action. <laughs> and I, that does seem like a really cool, like co-op moment. But to me, I was like, oh, great. There's an opportunity for the badger to knock out a couple of
0: those, oh, those rats yeah. on the way. Mm. It was very close to being like, now they can't rule.
2: It was <laughs> yeah. so close. It would have been actually, like, really intense. If uh, if if they if it would have been, like, a 2-2 roll, for example. Right. By the end of the first battle of the warlord with the lizards, it would have been only the warlord left on the board. Crazy. And Mouse right. Dom would have worked. So it really did come down to... Uh, that role against the Badgers, weirdly enough. Yeah. But the heart of the dice were on the side of the Warlord, came through and wiped out the clearing, staved off Dominance for a round. That being said, I had a ton of acolytes as a result of <laughs> Yeah, all I the thought bloodshed. Maybe
0: you could make another push, because usually if you don't do it in that first round, then Dominance is probably not going to happen at all. Right, right. Especially as the Lizards, because they have to clear your garden, right? Like right, they've right. totally removed you from a clearing. Um, but they give you the ammunition you need to like make another push Yeah, so I had a big
2: kind of second wave after the first round Because uh, the the mouse suit went all the way back around and became yep. hated for, yep. for the second one Which is kind of perfect, I had like all these acolytes So I just converted like everyone in this clearing and like got the building out of the way and like did all that But just in the nick of time, the Woodland Alliance <laughs> popped up out of nowhere and, and moved in to control one of the clearings that they needed to. It was a move that I think I felt was strange at the time because yeah. in doing so, they left two bases completely exposed, one of which was going to be removed by a mob token, the other of which was right next to the Warlord's starting clearing in order to do this. But in retrospect, I think it was a little bit brilliant to yeah. get all the way across the map, uh, which is the, the Woodland Alliance's kind of greatest weakness on Winter Map is that they can't spread anywhere but they were able to break through and get all the way to the other side of the map um it was a big risk but it ended up paying off because bernie piloting the woodland alliance won an unexpected victory um, wow at the end of the yeah
0: i agree whenever you see a woodland alliance player marching four warriors through multiple clearings you're like (laughs) what are you doing where's he going (laughs) yeah they don't you never see four toasts in a clearing (laughs) moving around you're like what are you doing um but I agree, Kyle. I think in retrospect, the access to the east side of the map was one of the the clinching things that allowed the Woodland Alliance to get to 30.
2: And maybe speaking to the nature of the like, winner's bracket being a little bit more friendly, mm-hmm. uh, there was an opportunity for the Warlord to just not only take out the first base with the mob right. token, but move one clearing and take out a bunch more cardboard. And uh, they did not. Out of a sort of respect for the cooperative portion of the game. Which I found personally a little bit puzzling. And, I mean, later on, the the Warlord probably could have done it. Maybe. Uh, with an extra couple of points in their pocket. You never know. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh,
0: it was know. a
2: really close game overall, though. And, uh, you know, b- big congrats to my opponents. They played really well. Um, but, yeah. Bernie clinching it out with the Woodland Alliance on the winter map.
0: Nice. And that... 30 minutes has been your (laughs) tournament recap so many games so many games and we we cut we we're gonna cover so many of the other ones that have already happened in a future episode so like yeah it's just root all the time here okay uh speaking of root all the time it is time (laughs) for the a moment that we've all been waiting for (laughs) Yes, I'm talking about the Hireling World Cup final. Final. Yeah. That's right. We got Shakira for the halftime show. We did. We got Shakira. <laughs>
1: That's her name, right? It, it, I mean, it's Shakira's name. Who are you yeah. talking about? Someone else?
0: I don't know. Just for a second, I was like, "Wait, is that a Japanese weapon, or is that a pop singer's name?" You know? Yeah. I've been I've been told that uh, she's going to call in any minute. Uh, And so we'll do a little halftime show with Shakira. But just to remind all of us about how we got here. Okay. Our group A winner was the cat hirelings, the forest patrol and the feline physicians. Very nice. Our group B winners were the warm sun prophets and lizard envoys. The group C is the crows with the corvid spies and raven sentries. And group D are only pink hireling representative in the final the popular band and the street band yeah that's actually
1: just been announced at that that one because we voted on the the thread right in, oh um, that's right mm-hmm. yeah and pretty overwhelming it was yeah it was it was the more even no it was it wasn't very even i guess the, they uh let's let's look at the vote the street band popular band got 25 votes whereas the badger bodyguards slash vault keepers got eight rat smugglers barrier warriors got five
0: Okay, Okay, uh, great. So I think what we're going to do today is we're going to decide who wins the hireling World Cup. All right. And we're going to do that by going through each faction, Mm -hmm. answering the questions, why do they deserve to be champions? Mm -hmm. What could hold them back from being champions? Giving a classic sports metaphor and then predicting. Well, I guess we don't predict. No, we decide. We decide. We choose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Jake, give us the cat hireling front and back.
1: So, first up, we have the forest patrol. During setup, place a patrol warrior in each clearing. Then, as an ongoing ability, whenever any patrol warriors are removed, place one of them on this card, not in the supply. Then, once in daylight, you have two choices. You may move, and then you may battle. Or, place all patrol warriors from here, the board, onto a clearing with any patrol warriors. And then Feline Physicians provides its controller with the ability, whenever any of your faction warriors are removed, you may spend a card matching their clearing to place those warriors in a clearing with your faction pieces instead of your supply. Parentheses, like Field Hospitals.
0: Ugh, this one is very, 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 very good. There's a reason why it's here, folks.
2: And we've mentioned on previous episodes the various uh, crazy combos that are possible with this. Seemingly innocuous ability to just regenerate warriors. But come on, <laughs> it's incredible for like basically every faction.
0: Yeah, yeah. Feline Physicians is, I mean, as I, I think in our hireling series, I've come to the realization that I think the demoted sides are more interesting. Yeah, the right. So, sides, Shockingly, yeah. But we've talked about a lot of the promoted sides, which are like a lot of them are like, oh, here's some warriors and you can move and battle with them or you can recruit with them. You know like that's the general blueprint for several of of the hirelings right mm-hmm. and this one's just really flexible you start out not being able to do a lot but then you can plop a bunch of cats down on a turn and then the next turn move and battle with those cats um you can use them for rule uh it's just very flexible it's not restrictive i definitely want to
1: see how long they last like i feel like it's going to be different depending on how they get grouped up but like because they can regenerate onto the card only one, but generally they're kind of being removed one at a time, I feel like, in a lot of these cases, because they're either solo or, you know, they might just get dealt one hit. Right. I just, like, I'm interested to see, like, how often they'll get repositioned or if they just kind of gradually get depleted as the opportunity arises.
0: I've been playing a lot of hireling games, and I noticed this. The first person to get to four is usually the same person who gets to eight and 12, but they... Will get, they will choose the best one and they will have it for one turn and then they will give it to the person that can do the least with it. That player will have it for like four turns. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe that person gives it to somebody else by the end of the game. But usually that's like, that's the lifespan of a hireling. Okay. The leader takes them, they give them to somebody. That person really has them Mm -hmm. for most of the Mm -hmm. game and then they might get passed off. So there's like kind of like a, a, a turn where they might do something at the beginning and a turn where they might do something at the end. And then there's like, somebody gets them and gets to utilize those abilities. Um, And for this one, I feel like forest patrol is a great example. Like you're going to move battle. If you get it for four turns, you're going to like move battle, move battle, place, move battle. Right. I mean, depends on the situation, but that for me is a lot better of a rhythm than something like, uh, the Last Dynasty, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a very powerful hireling for the person who gets them first. But yeah. you actually in that mid-game, their warriors get small, their options get limited, they battle themselves off the board. Yeah, the Last Dynasty becomes just those
1: two fellows who are
0: left. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't roll their clearing, they battle twice, they roll a 2-2, and they don't even battle again because they're dead. Um, Tragic figures, really. Yeah, yeah, they're the last dynasty. <laughs> the last dynasty. It's a it's a, yeah. it's
1: a tragedy. You can hear the violence playing when they move.
0: <laughs> so when when I'm thinking about these hirelings for the final here, I am thinking about how it actually goes in the rhythm of the game. And for me, Forest Patrol has a has a good rhythm. It it, it feels like it's very utilized at, at all of those stages, that first one or two turns, the middle chunk, and then the last little bit. Um, Whereas we've sung the praises of feline physicians a lot, and obviously that's a very, very, very powerful ability.
1: I I don't remember if we talked about it, but just also the ability to reposition your troops beyond. (laughs) It's not just saving them. It's moving them where they're more beneficial based on your placement. Like that's free moves as well. That's outrageously good.
0: Yeah, it says like field hospitals, but it's just clearly better than field hospitals. So why do they, why do they
1: deserve to be champions? Because they save lives.
0: Ooh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say flexibility and morality. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. What could hold them back? Uh, Well, Flourish Patrol doesn't pack a big
1: punch. No, it's an opportunistic punch, right? Potentially. Yeah.
0: I think it's good. I mean, there's a reason why they're in the final, but they're not. Forest Patrol isn't that flashy. There's not a lot. I mean, yeah, you could do a cool thing where you plop a bunch of warriors on a bird roost, and now they can't move from that clearing, and they're gonna have to figure out a new plan.
2: Yeah, or like a woodland lion's base, or yeah, uh, you know, any any number of things to disrupt your opponents with that massive recruit. But like, let's be honest, if a a game is like seven, eight rounds. Th- there's probably not going to be too many cats on that card in any
3: given time. Mm-hmm.
0: No. Unless you got like the warlord in the game and they're like having to get rid of them or a uh, God of War, Eerie, who's like, great. Free battle with a non aggressive, you know, a, a, a faction that won't ambush me, Right. You know what I mean? Right. That's dependable. So- yeah, we can
2: theorycraft some like big moves with this one, but uh, overall it tends to be a little bit of a Slow burn slash constant low level annoyance.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh for a for a good sports metaphor here, I'd feel like um it's like obviously you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Sure. Right? Sure. Um but also these guys go hard in the paint. <laughs> you know? And it ain't over till it's over. That's what I'd say. I feel like a chat bot just wrote Sam's dialogue. <laughs> All right. Chat GPT is the new host of Woodland War Machine. Um, yeah, that metaphor is fine. I don't have a better metaphor. I don't think that was a metaphor. I think those were three platitudes, but we're going to round it up to a metaphor. Yes. Well, actually, that is the equation is three
1: platitudes equal one metaphor.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: If you're listening to this and you have a winner's bracket game coming up, I think you should let ChatGPT play all your moves for you. (laughs) I'm just going to throw that out there. If you decide to do that, let us know over on the Good Time Society Discord (laughs) and the Woodland War Machine channel. And make sure you give yourself the WWM uh, tag so you get alerted to all the fun updates that we have planned for the next few months. Especially yeah. root con gets closer and closer.
0: Ooh. Yeah, I want community plays root to be replaced by Chat GPT plays root. <laughs> that would be so wild, actually. <laughs> okay, all right, here we go. Let's talk about uh, the second contender for the big old trophy. We're talking about the Warm Sun Prophets and Lizard Envoys.
1: Oh, so good. The Warm Sun Prophets. During setup, place a Prophet Warrior in each clearing with a ruin. Then, when hired. If no profit warriors are on the map, place a profit warrior in any clearing. Then, once in daylight, you have two options. You may choose any player, even yourself, with faction pieces in a clearing with a warm sun profit warrior. Force them to battle there, or force them to move as many pieces as they can from there to a clearing you choose and battle in the destination if you want. You choose the defender. Or you place a profit warrior in a clearing without one. <laughs>
2: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of these choices is clearly better than the other. Everybody take a <laughs> breath.
1: Yeah, yeah. And lizard envoys. At the start of birdsong, the controller may search the top five cards in the discard pile and take a card from the most common suit, except an ambush. You cannot count card. You cannot count birds as other suits, and you decide on suit ties.
0: Okay. 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 That first ability of Worm Sun Prophets is just. We, we said why won't you know what could hold the cats back well there's nothing flashy it doesn't get much flashier than that. no
1: a, a, a missionary walks up to a group of soldiers and says follow me on a crusade they're like
0: absolutely <laughs> like, and in true lizard fashion he goes I actually can't move but you but can you go over there and go do over it. there and light it on fire <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna stay here and count our money it's amazing <laughs> I have to be by this ruin um, yeah, it's such blockbuster. I mean, it's it is a false orders you can use once per turn. Yeah, plus battle. And it is not false orders. False orders is move half, half. of the warriors rounded up. This is move as many pieces as you can. Right. Oof. You can't like choose for them to like leave a relic behind. Unfortunately, that would be pretty cool. But um, these guys are great. And then lizard envoys is pretty good. It's better than not having anything. Sure, sure. And you get it at the start of Birdsong. I think that's actually the best part of the ability because uh, being able to choose a card that you could craft maybe uh, or a card that you're going to spend and still have a full hand of cards for whatever for whatever else your turn has in store for you. So it's good. A flexible one and a flashy one. That feels good. Kyle, why do you think these guys could be champions?
2: Um. Okay, to me, I think that they have an impact on the board that can change the outcome of an entire game.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Both sides, to be honest and the demoted side, which is just kind of letting you grab an extra card per turn may not seem like it's doing that much to help or hinder. And there could be some turns where that, that top five, you know, cards in the discard pile are just like not that interesting or good, but most factions can use, like an extra card in hand for something. There's just like too many ways to name that that type of ability can stack in a way that affects the outcome of the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I just think that this is like a totally OP hireling and it deserves to uh, be considered for the best hireling Uh, because Root is, at the end of the day, a war game and any uh, hireling that can cause two of your enemies to whittle each other down in a clearing where they may not want to be uh, means that your chances of establishing a good position and winning the game go up dramatically
1: what a scary hireling to have to give to somebody else
2: how do you even plan around it that's that's like my main question it seems so
1: difficult to like defend against this hireling I think it's table talk is you have to be like all right, look I'm gonna give this to you if you do this (laughs) Or I'm gonna give this to you if you do Like, I mean, I don't know. I think you have to like try your best to leverage the gift. I mean, no one's gonna, they don't have to keep their word, but you could. That's your that's your only option because yeah. th- this is the scariest. This is the scariest one to hand off by far, in my opinion.
0: I think most hirelings can be checked by giving them to a player that can't utilize them. I don't think that's the case with this one. No, they can- <laughs> I think that this is the only hireling you have to police. Where you have to go like, okay, so, right, the leader gets this one because they're going to choose this one. They get one turn where they get a really sweet ability. They hand it off to somebody. At that point, you kill all the lizards. Are there six of them or four? Four. Four? One at each ruin. So that's when you do it because you can't kill them the first turn because then they're going to hand it to somebody and they're going to get to place a prophet warrior in any clearing which is more terrifying than being able to plan around it the whole game. So yeah, I think like once it gets handed to that middle person, who's going to have it for a chunk of time, you, you kill all the lizards. Like that's what you'd have to do. But I think that a hireling that makes you go out of your way to battle a hireling, (laughs) it has a lot of value. (laughs) So what could hold them back? I do think that, the fact that they might cause too much heat yeah, to where people will go out of their way to make sure that you can't utilize them. Well,
1: what could hold them back? If they're in the game, they might be removed from the game.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cause that's what we're saying.
1: It's like, if you want to play with them, just try not to play with them.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Because once you take them all off the board, the, the tempo for them coming back on doesn't really check out. Right. Right. They take a turn to place their uh, one warrior In a clearing without one, maybe they put it far away, but now it's not very useful. Otherwise, if they put it in the heat of battle, you just kill it before Mm -hmm. they have Mm -hmm. their next turn and then they don't get to do it. So they are able to be stopped, but I'll say it. I mean, a hireling that causes you to stop them is different than all the others. And maybe that deserves to make it be a champion. (laughs) Jake, what's a good sports metaphor for this one?
1: There's no sports where there are three teams and one team convinces the other two teams to fight each other, is there? Is root a sport? I mean, the, do you want a root metaphor? That's not what you asked for. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. This is like uh, this is like when two basketball teams enter the court and then uh, the referee's like, you know what? I think the home team should. Go play a street game with these kids across the street.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, the hoops just open. The other team's just, just laying Yeah, the <laughs> yeah.
1: There's no sports metaphor for this because they're prophets. It's crazy. They're, like I don't know. These guys are bonkers. It's I, I'm less excited about the lizard envoys for sure, but this is game. Not game breaking. It's game changing. It like defines. It defines all of your caution in the early game.
0: I'll tell you what the worst part about this hireling is. It means you're not playing a game with the lizards. Okay. And that's a, that's a crime. That's a crime. I'm actually on a lizard's hot streak right now. I've won my last two lizards. Games. No congrats. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you everybody. All right. Let's move on to the next hireling in contention. I haven't heard from Shakira. So um still hoping for that halftime. Uh, anytime, anytime she wants. Jake?
1: I have no missed calls now.
0: No missed calls. Okay, okay great. Let, let's go on to the next hireling, the Corvid Spies and the Raven Sentries.
1: <clears throat> Corvid Spies, during setup, place two spy warriors, one each in two clearings of matching suit. Then, once in daylight, first, place two spy warriors among any clearings with enemy pieces. Then, second, you have two options. You may battle in each clearing with any spy warriors or... Or, in one clearing with any spy warriors, the controller takes a random card from each enemy with faction pieces there. So crazy. Then Raven Sentries provide the controller with the ability where, in battle, they may deal an extra hit if the battle clearing has buildings or tokens of your faction. Uh, It doesn't say a parenthesis like this, but I'm going to say it. Like Embedded Agents.
0: (laughs) Well, Embedded Agents is only in defense. That's true. And also
1: not it's just for tokens. This includes buildings.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. God. Oh, okay. So this one So we saw the Cats one, right? Where it's like, oh, the demoted side's really good. The other side's like dependable, but not as flashy. Then we saw lizards, were like one side's super flashy and the other side's like, Oh, that's a kind of a nice boon. This one feels like, oh. So first of all, Corvid Spies has two great options. It really does. Some of them are like battle with them or recruit. But with Corvid Spies, you just get to recruit for free. And then you can battle in each clearing with Corvid Spies, which is great. Or you can steal cards from every player who has pieces in one of those clearings. You choose one clearing, but still. (laughs) Like you could get three cards and rob your opponents each of a card. Or you could do, I don't know, a few battles. Like that's crazy. That's really great. And then the demoted side is extra hits yeah. in offense or on defense. Like this one. Ooh, ooh, this one's good. <laughs> Kyle, why could this be the champion?
2: I mean, again, in in a game where you want to whittle down your opponents, this <laughs> this hireling just is it's going to beat everyone up every round. Like it's so scary. And especially if you're a faction that doesn't have an incredibly high reach or ability to impact the board, suddenly you're a police force and you don't even have to lose your own pieces to do so. And not only that, but your pieces are extra safe. uh, If you are in control of the Raven sentries. So I think that like the kind of balance of aggression is always tilted in your favor when this hireling is in play. Yeah.
1: I wonder if leader games was seeing that the crows weren't performing well when they were released. And they're like, when we make these hirelings, we're going to make them so good and just (laughs) make up for the fact that they're not getting drafted. And when they don't get drafted, they will instead be hirelings, even though that happens first, but whatever.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I haven't run the numbers but just from a cursory glance, it is clear to me that of RootCon attendees, the overwhelming favorite faction is the Corvid Conspiracy. Ah, we love an underdog, which was surprising to me. I asked somebody, "What do you think the most uh, the most popular root faction is amongst people who are coming to RootCon?" And people are like Vagabond. And I think Vagabond is last. No,
1: I don't think a lot of people actually like the Vagabond. I
0: think a lot of people like the Vagabond, but people that are so into it that listen to a podcast about it and are coming to a convention about it have moved past the Vagabond. <laughs> um, no shame so if you what, love the Vagabond, though. Yeah. What what could hold these fact? What could hold this hireling back from becoming the overall champions?
1: I think nothing. <laughs> i have no complaints it's too cool their illustration is really good their background's really cool their i mean their name is sick i don't know like <laughs> i i think this they i know we're t- we have a whole nother pairing to talk about which i also love that pairing but like these guys are so freaking fun um the the stealing of cards is uh i think on the level of warm sum profits like kind of game uh bending ability yeah right yeah because card theft is a pretty a pretty big deal and then being able to do it to all of your opponents potentially is is nuts like it's it's not just drawing cards it's drawing
0: cards from your opponent's hands yeah also the idea of any ability gaining you three cards in one go yeah yeah right is big and then and then like you pointed out Jake those cards are coming from other people's hands so it's even better <laughs> like it's
1: I, I mean we i think we were in agreement about the warm sense being the, the the biggest uh like board tilter but i think these guys are the biggest uh
0: mechanic tilter in a way mhm yeah we all know that this game card wealth is huge so that ability and then it's like you don't even have to do that there is a pretty serviceable what if you're a battle situation? What if
1: you're a faction if, that doesn't need a lot of cards? Oh, darn,
0: you're taking it from factions that do. <laughs> right. That's a good point, too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we still haven't found one reason why they couldn't be champions. I just don't think there is one. Uh, Kyle? I don't know. <sighs> I mean, even
2: the art is
0: amazing. <laughs>
3: like...
0: <laughs> All right. We'll move on here. Um, our last hireling. Uh, don't call it a comeback. We got the popular band in the street band, Jake. For the popular
1: band, during setup, place two band warriors, each in a different clearing. Then when they are hired, if no band warriors are on the map, place a band warrior in a clearing with your faction pieces. Then as an ongoing ability, enemies cannot move from a clearing with a band warrior on the same turn they moved into it. I do want to specify if they move any warriors into that clearing they can't move any warriors from that clearing it, That's it, right. it doesn't apply to the warriors it applies to the player right then once in daylight first choose a clearing with a band warrior you may force any faction warrior in each adjacent clearing to move into the chosen clearing then second you may place a band warrior in any clearing just gonna take a breath let everybody kind of process a lot mm-hmm, of lot mm-hmm. of a lot of words Additionally, the street band is the other side where, and there's an ability on enemies cannot move from a clearing with a band warrior on the same turn they moved into it. Then once in daylight, place a band warrior in any clearing. Uh, There's four or five. I believe there's five. Right. We talked about this because two, two guitars. Um.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this, this hireling is all about movement. We've had Mm -hmm. hirelings that are about cards that are about warriors, but this hireling really changes the relationship of every faction on the board to the like board state itself and to the kind of architecture of the map. And it, it, it distorts everything so immediately, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like from the minute these guys get dropped onto the map, these cute little pink warriors, (laughs) everything is different. And, uh, I think that, you know, kind of, the impact they have on the game is so immediate and so interesting for any given faction mix that I think that's the strategic options and possibilities are, like, exponentially huge for this higher line.
1: Yeah, the popular band, uh, I guess I was initially, uh, like, not underwhelmed by any means, but it you is is, you're, you're taking one warrior from an adjacent clearing, right? But... All adjacent clearings. So, yeah, yeah, so if, yeah. if if you choose a clearing with a band warrior and you happen to do one of them that has you know three, four, five adjacent clearings, you got a lot of options there. You also can choose yourself, right? So you can provide movement for yourself as well and consolidate forces if you need to. Yeah, think about right. if there's like a plot in that
2: clearing, and you need a corvid warrior to, to go in there without using one of your daylight actions, right? <laughs> Well, suddenly the popular band has your solution. Mm -hmm. There's a million ways that this can interact with with the factions. I love
0: this hireling. (laughs) It solves the turmoil problem, too, for Eerie. Oh, yes. Yeah, and you can slingshot warriors through the clearing, right? You can use the band uh, ability to move them in, and then it says enemies cannot move from the clearing in the same turn. You're not an enemy if you control them, so you can keep going forward. So, yeah, you can use it as an extra move to slingshot you forward as well. That's really cool. Um, I I also think that this hireling
2: is kind of a pain
0: for everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: In a really fun way. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it forces you to be super intentional about the way you engage with the board and, and move around the map. And... I think that you know the the idea that you can throw a monkey wrench into somebody else's engine by just dropping a band warrior in their portion of the map is so
1: cool and such and so rich. It's nice that it it, it accelerates entanglement as well. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we we had theorycrafted
2: crafted a little bit about ways for this to sort of protect portions of the map, right? If you like clog up uh, an access point to your sort of strong area where you're built up. Uh, so th- it, it has multiple kind of uses, which I, I think is also really cool. It's the mark of a good hireling when you can use it offensively and defensively. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, h- why are these,
0: why do they deserve to be champions?
1: Because we're all fans of music here. Mm, <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> Got a mandolin right there. I guess, whereas
1: the Warm Sun profits do really alter the board state in an un deniable way uh these guys alter the board state for everybody always where they are i guess right it's like the warmstone profits kind of affect an area a turn these guys can affect multiple areas for the whole freaking game once they're in play that is yeah absolutely
0: um, their main effect happens not on your turn There you go. That's a good way of saying it, too. Which I think is very beneficial, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Because then you don't have to worry about like, oh, do I have any of them on my turn? It's like you can always place one and then that's a problem for people going forward. Maybe they move and battle it, whatever. But at least they it it took something from them to do it. So,
2: yeah, it's a attrition for your opponent's action economy. Yeah. Which, as you know, we've learned in Root is pretty valuable to force people to spend those actions. All right, well, what's going to hold these guys back from being champions? I mean, they need amps or something, because it's just a flute and, like, a lute right now. <laughs> also, they need instruments that don't rhyme.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah, get some drums or a calliope. <laughs> it's hard to rhyme with calliope. Ooh, okay. Um, okay, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. What's going to hold them back? Well, they don't do much. They They're almost... And I mean this in a good way, because I like this hireling a lot. But they're almost like a glorified landmark. That's right? an
1: interesting point. Yeah, they are kind of just a presence on the board and mm-hmm. not much else. Yeah. And the fact that they are so fragile, right? Yeah. It's usually just one warrior right. being a
2: problem. They're such a big potential threat and such a fragile hireling that they often don't stick around. And I think that that kind of holds the hireling back a little bit because we don't often get to see the full kind of terror and glory of this uh Mm -hmm. this band in full force Mm -hmm. they need a reunion tour essentially is what i'm saying (laughs) yeah yeah
0: yeah i i like the idea of them going electric you know (laughs) i want them to have their dylan moment and the woodland hates it (laughs) um this one's like you know this metaphor would be like you got to believe in yourself more you know, <laughs> again, all my metaphors are just platitudes. I don't sure. know how to make yeah, a none of these of are
1: metaphors, but I think we're just going to leave them titled metaphors and we'll just see who corrects <laughs> us on the discord. Ooh,
0: I'm actually just getting a text here from Shakira. Um, <laughs> she is not going to be able to attend and I have the wrong number. Ah, uh, okay. So, Got it. Yeah. yeah. I
2: thought you were going to say that she, um, her limo, Um, got stuck in an intersection because there was like a a busker.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. Um, Well, are we ready to crown the champion of the hirelings, the World Cup winners? And I'm going to be honest, I feel very confident. I would be excited to hear a bunch of blowback from this pick. But the 2023 World Cup, hireling World Cup, Winners are the Corvid Spies and the Raven centuries Wow, yeah! congratulations. Congratulations. Wow. I mean, that is a complete card. You all think like, all right, so the Warm Sun Prophets versus just Corvid Spies. Do you think Corvid Spies still wins? Because obviously the complete card is like, I feel like that's what, that was our parameters for this World Cup. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I think this hireling is the best. In uh, in those parameters But if we're just going to take the promoted sides Do you think Corvid Spies is better than Worms and
3: Profits
0: I do I do too
2: I think it is Because I think you get the Swiss Army knife Of deciding whether you want card advantage Or uh, battle actions And whatever makes sense for you
0: In that moment (laughs) It's always going to be good Here's the best part of the card that we haven't read again Place two Spies Among any clearings with enemy pieces.
2: If you followed us on our hireling journey over the past, you know, several episodes, then you'll know that one common thing that we uh, like to sort of joke around about or like call out on these cards is that there's often like an optional daylight action where you can just recruit a warrior somewhere. Like kind of a derpy daylight action like that. Not so with the Corvette Spies. No, they have automatic recruiting. You get two. And it's. It happens before the, like, big deal action.
0: And it has to be with enemy pieces, meaning that your two actions will be able to happen. So you can purposely... if Your, en- your enemies need to stay out of the same clearing if there's Corvid Spies, because then you're just going to put Spy there, take everybody's cards, right? Like, <sighs> yeah, yeah. I think Corvid Spies is the best. I mean... It is brutal. I think the next... One in that conversation is feline physicians, too.
1: I agree with this choice for sure. I think it's undeniable. I guess like maybe as a lizard's advocate, I will say force them to move as many pieces as they can is game breaking for some factions. So many of them are like, okay, here's my ball. And it's like, okay, but now your ball's here and fighting somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, no. <laughs> the warlord to have that happen to them and, like, their two strongholds to suddenly be undefended and they're just, like, in a mass of moles or something like that. And not
2: to play devil's advocate, but to pick up on this theme of recruiting and then doing your big fun action. Oh, no, never mind, No, never mind. no, that's it's when only it's when hired. hired. Only when yeah, hired. Right. My apologies. I misread yeah. the one symbol. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, then let me put this differently. So then we kind of can see by comparison how the warm Sun Prophets could become a little too slow when compared to Corvid Spies. Because if you have a Wormsome Prophet warrior on the map and it's taken out, you have to spend your whole next turn with the Sireling just replacing that warrior.
1: And the Corvid just keep popping up every turn because that's what they do. So phenomenal.
0: Well, congratulations. Uh, Maybe we'll look back at these again sometime, but... um... This concludes our big hirelings arc of the show. What do the Corvids win? I think they win a special placement at the root at RootCon, right? Yeah, oh definitely. Any exhibition game we should be playing with these I'm gonna uh, say, Final Four hirelings. I'm gonna say here. if
1: there's an exhibition game that involves Cole, we have to put this in there.
0: Yeah. Oh He's gonna have to we deal need with to this. make a night we need to design a nightmare game for him. <laughs> uh, that's a great idea. <laughs> We're just gonna call
1: it This Won't Be Fun. Just as yeah. you intended,
0: warm sun prophets, feline physicians, right? It's a three player game you get all three of those in there. um
1: faction pool is ronin scoundrel, vagrant and uh cats cats
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a three player game oh, wait, one player is playing two vagabonds at the same time <laughs> in a three vagabond game. <laughs> Actually, though, I think that's kind of a funny variant of Root, maybe, is that, like, everyone is Vagabond. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh. And yeah. we have Hirelings. Yeah, I think here's Interesting. the thing. Oops, all Vagabonds, and oops, all Hirelings. Okay? <laughs> you just keep making the markers every four points, okay? <laughs> that would be fun. This is
2: a great idea.
0: Thank you. I'm going to
2: regret saying that someone's going to, like, <laughs> harangue me into playing a game like that one day. It's going to be awesome. You said it was
1: a good idea. <laughs> Anything else, gents?
0: Yeah, we got a whole root pretty to do. What? Ooh, yes.
2: All yes. right, ladies
0: and gentlemen, welcome to Root Purdy Batmaster Edition. <laughs> all right. Um, shout Batmaster out to Batmaster. Said, yeah, shout out. Uh Batmaster gave me the whole thing. The whole ep- this whole root Purdy is all Batmaster what? questions. No way. Yeah, and they are they're great. They follow the the formula perfectly. Okay. If you want To do my job for me, please (laughs) join the Good Time Society Discord, Woodland War Machine Channel. Just let me know. You don't have to do a full thing. A category is very helpful. Um, So, folks, let's do this. Hey
1: friends, future Jake here. If you want to hear this episode of Ruperty and all episodes of Ruperty, go to patreon.com slash goodtimesociety. For any level of support, you can get access to all the back episodes. You could just subscribe for a month, listen to them, and then unsubscribe. It's just that simple. Or you can keep on supporting Good Time Society and all the amazing content we make. And just before we get back to the show, there is no episode next week as Kyle and Sam are traveling on vacation. We'll be back soon with another episode. In the meantime, enjoy this segue-free transition to the end of the episode. Well, one of my favorite T-shirt designs we have to plan for this year has one simple
0: phrase on it. What? The one where it's like, your nearest enemy homeland can't be furthest from the nearest one or whatever?
1: <laughs> That's it. I had
0: a listener in real life go like, you got to make that shirt though. And I was like, I don't think we're going to do the, whose nearest band- enemy it's homeland a is furthest. And the whole
1: phrase goes around your head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm gonna get it tattooed on my knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> Whose nearest enemy homeland Each is letter, furthest? Each letter but a
1: different spacing on different lines.
2: <laughs> Finishes
0: up on my elbow. <laughs> but what will be right across my forehead is. <laughs>